Willie Jennings' daughters were scared of the water. And this was a problem, you see. Jennings is a theologian, a Baptist theologian. He's moved on to Yale now, but he was at Duke when Rebecca and I were there, and he taught some of the most difficult, most demanding, most important classes in the entire divinity school. He loved the life of the church. He loved the life of discipleship, and he and his wife were committed to raising all of their children in the faith. But his daughters refused to be baptized because they were scared of the waters. In fairness to them, this might have been their father's fault. Like parents tend to do, Dr. Jennings liked to tell his girls stories about his own childhood. He told them what it was like growing up in Michigan. He told them stories of school and of sports, of friends and of family members. And yes, he told them stories about what it was like growing up in church, including the story of his own baptism. He recalled as a boy wading into the baptismal pool at his home church. The pastor and chair of deacons already in there waiting on him to reach them. He recalled looking out and seeing his parents in the pews, proudly watching on, listening to the song of the congregation rising around him, drowning out the sound of the water sloshing against his legs. He remembers reaching the two men. And that's when it all went away. As soon as he got to where they were in the pool, they stepped so that he could stand between them. They grabbed him by his arms, picked him up, and placed him under the water, where they held him for a minute. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the pastor said. And they shook him. I baptize you in the name of the Son, and they shook him a second time. I baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit, and they shook him once more, picked him up, placed him on his feet, and sent him on his way, spluttering, so that the next new baby Christian might come into the waters and be born again as well. Dr. Jennings loved that story. He loved to tell it. But it made his daughters afraid of the waters. Several years ago, a colleague went to serve a Baptist church in the North Carolina mountains. This church wasn't very far from a lake, and so it was that congregation's practice to hold baptism services on Sunday afternoons on the lakeshore. 
You can imagine my friend's excitement as she drove out for her first baptismal service as the new pastor of this church. She came ready for the service, already wearing a bathing suit under her street clothes, but as she climbed out of her car and began changing from slacks and shirt into her baptismal robe, she noticed something strange. The other participants in the service, those who were going to be baptized and even those who were going to be in the water leading the service with her, They were all wearing long pants beneath their robes. Odd, she thought, but set it aside as she began to greet folks and then enter into the waters herself and prepare to lead the worship service. It's a beautiful day, beautiful setting for a beautiful service, the light playing off of the lake, mountains rising all around them, early fall leaves just beginning their shift from green to gold. She preached from the water, prayed from the water. The choir even sang from the water. The baptisms themselves, they went off without a hitch. The day simply could not have gone any better. After offering a closing benediction, my friend made her way out of the water to go speak to the families of those who had been baptized and to greet some of her other members that she needed to talk to. And as she was exiting the water, she looked down to check her feet to see how muddy they were. And that's when she saw it. Her feet were not covered with mud, you see. They were covered in leeches. As were her ankles and her shins and her legs as far as she could see. After that service, she confessed, she herself was hesitant to get back into the waters. Now, to be fair, not all Christians baptize the way that Baptists do. My wife's denomination, for example, does not. Many of you here, guests, church members, lay leaders, were raised and baptized in other traditions with other practices. The chaplain at Walford, where Rebecca and I went to college, his name was Talmud Skinner, He was a Methodist minister, and he told me that he had some Baptist cousins who liked to tell him that he was going to go to hell because he had not actually been baptized. The hell you say, he would answer him. And then one day he said he asked him, you Baptists say that we Methodists don't use enough water when we baptize. Well, doggone it, how much water is enough? If we get them wet up to their hips, is that enough? No, they said. If we, if we get them wet up to the shoulders, he asked, is that enough? No, they replied. 
Well, how about if we use enough water to get the tops of their head wet? What would you think about that? Yes, they said, that's how much water you are supposed to use. Reverend Skinner said he smiled at him and said, well, as it turns out, gentlemen, getting their heads wet is precisely what we do. So, yes, there are different traditions with different reasonings behind them, but the tradition that we base our practice on here is full immersion, being put all of the way under the water. And if you've been baptized in this way, then you know just how unnerving it actually can be. Who knows how long you're going to be held down there, like Dr. Jennings' daughters were afraid of. Who knows what might be waiting for you in the waters, as my friend up in the mountains learned the hard way. Even the word baptism has a veiled threat behind it. It comes from the Greek word baptizo, and in Greek, if you sink a ship, you've baptized it. Living as they did on the Mediterranean Sea, dying as they inevitably did on the Mediterranean Sea, fighting one another in their warships, feeding one another with their fishing boats, transporting goods and peoples from island to island and shore to shore, one can only imagine just how many ships they watched sink. Just how many of these baptisms they were aware of. They would have known it very well. Another baptism, down it goes, beneath the waters consumed by the waves, lost forever. And so it is in our baptisms as well. Think back to the Romans text that Debbie read for us a moment ago. Try to recall the menace that is in Paul's words. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We have been united with him in death, crucified with him, buried with him, consumed, it would seem, lost forever. Hardly the sound of good news. Hardly the kind of thing to inspire people or comfort them. And yet as Paul continues, his message becomes clearer. Consumed? Absolutely. 100% consumed. Completely and totally consumed. Immersed, one might actually say but lost. No, not lost. Not lost for even a moment. 
Instead, I think Paul might say, instead of being lost in your baptism, it is there that you are actually found. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, Paul writes, we will certainly be be united with him in a resurrection like his. For if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Baptized into Christ Jesus, Paul says. Submerged into, overwhelmed by, buried in, consumed, immersed like in water. Like in a river or an ocean or the dark waters of a lake fully enveloped on all sides without exception or reservation. But in this case, here in Christ Jesus, it's not just you who gets baptized, submerged, consumed. It's you. It's not just your body. It's your heart. In fact, it's your entire life. It's all of it. Everything. Nothing kept secret. Nothing held back. Thought, word, and deed. As the old prayer says. What we have done and what we have left undone. All of it touched. All of it blessed. All of it caught up in him and caught up in his love and caught up in his life and his death and therefore all of it caught up in his life after death. For death, my friends, death here no longer holds dominion. So yes, baptism is for the bold. It is not for the faint of heart. Laid out backwards, off balance, out of your own control, at the absolute mercy of those in whose hands you have placed yourself. Noting how it feels as it rises around your torso, ascending the nape of your neck as you descend ever deeper. Flinching as it gets into your ears, as it goes up your nose, realizing that you are fully enveloped, consumed, feeling the press of it all around you, unable to breathe, unable to hear, unable to to see or to perceive, even if you are bold enough to try and open your eyes. Except... Instead of water, what you are drowning in here, what you are losing yourself to, what you find yourself being consumed by, is nothing less than the grace of God. 
Thanks be to God. Amen. As Jesus said, those who want to hold on to their life will lose it, but those who lose it for my sake will truly find it. If you are here today, and you wish to answer that call, if you fear you are lost and wish to be found, or if you are here today because you believe that you have been found and you wish to respond, or if you know yourself found, you know yourself a disciple of this Lord, and you wish to offer this same great good news to our community here in Jacksonville and our neighbors all around us, this grace and this love and this peace of God, then now is the time in our service when such things might be made known publicly as we stand together as we are able and sing.